uh, we are in part three of a three-part series. That means this is the end. And this series is called On a Mission. And uh, like I said, it's part three. And so if you missed parts one and two, you can catch up online, hopeccdelco.com. You can listen to the messages there. We also have a YouTube page where you can watch them. Um, but we're talking about this thing of God's mission. We're talking about the fact that God is on a mission in the world. He has a mission. He has an objective. He has a goal. He has something that he's been working towards. And the idea is this, and the belief is this, that each one of us, we have a role to play in the mission of God. Yeah, we do. God has enlisted our help, and He's invited us to be a part of what He's doing in this world. And so our first week together in this series, we talked about the fact that there is a point to the church, to this thing that we call church. There is an objective. There is a goal. There's a reason that we exist, that the church exists. And the goal of the church is to spread the gospel to... Hey, okay, that was risky, but you did it. Yes, the goal of the church is to spread this thing that we call the gospel, this message of Jesus and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, to spread the gospel to everyone everywhere, to everyone everywhere, to tell everybody God loves us this much. God wants to be joined with us. And that's when the guitar fell over to make my point. Am I right? Are we okay? Do we need to buy you a new bass? Is that going to be all right? I'm just going to let it be because I don't want to make it worse. All right. <clears throat> What were we doing, having a sermon? Okay. So, yes, um, <laughs> God has this thing He wants. He wants, to share the, he wants us to share the gospel with everyone, everywhere. Well, that's an overwhelming task for one individual. That's an overwhelming task for one local church. And so, as a church, we have a more specific goal, okay? We're planted right here in this little section of southern Delaware County, right here in this Ridley Interborough area. And so, our goal as a church is we want to share this gospel message. We want everybody in our territory to experience this gospel message. Every man, woman, and child in the ridley Interborough area to experience the gospel. That's our goal as a church. That's all well and good. How do we do that? And so if you remember it all week when we talked about, you know, what it means to have a goal, and then you have a strategy to reach that goal. And the big part of our strategy, in fact, the most important part of our strategy is you as an individual thinking about the people in your life thinking about the people that you can have influence with, that you can help share, the, that you can help communicate this message of the gospel. You're sharing it with them. Who are the people in your, li in your life that you can share this gospel message with? And so we gave out these cards. Do you remember receiving these cards, these, these influence cards? My circle of influence. Who are the people that you can influence? You can help share this message to these people. And so it starts with you identifying those people and being intentional, being intentional praying for them, looking for opportunities to share this gospel message with them. And it's not just about the words, hey, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Yeah, the words are necessary, but it's also about living it out. And that's what we talked about in part two of this series, living out this message. And, and so many of us Christians, we talk about, well, we're trying to live out an example of the faith. We're trying to be a good example. You know, the words are a little bit, you know, awkward to speak, but at least we can live it out. Well, that's all well and good, and we're taught in the Scripture that it's important to be an example Paul tells us to be a living sacrifice, to sacrifice our lives, to use our lives as an example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to let our lives reflect Jesus in some way, in some capacity. And so we have to, to do that. But if we're going to be an example, then we have to be a good example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If we're going to claim to be followers of Jesus, we have to actually live that out so that people can see a good example. And so we have to be willing to be different than other people. We have to be willing to do this thing that, that we've been called to do in the Scripture, to be a holy people, a set apart. We've got different sense of priorities and, and a different um, agenda in this world, and so we have to be willing to be different. We also have to be willing to be vulnerable. 
right? That's a big part of showing, you know, being a living sacrifice and being a good example of all this. We have to be vulnerable. We have to let other people see that we are changing. We are in a transformation process. Those of us who follow Jesus, we're never done. We've never arrived. We've never finished. We're constantly shifting, constantly changing. And so we have to be willing to be vulnerable, let, let other people see that we do have different priorities, that we are changing. And so this, this morning, we're going to focus on this a little bit more, this idea of how do we actually tangibly have a powerful influence the people in our lives? How do we share this gospel message with them? How do we influence these people? You know, I've told you this before that uh, growing up I was a church kid. I went to church, and uh, I went to church because I was a kid and my parents told me to, and they drove me there, and they made me go. That's how it works when you're a kid. You don't have a choice. And so you know the deal. Those of you who grew up going to a church, you do like a children's church thing or a junior church thing or a Sunday school thing or whatever they had at your church growing up. And so you do the thing, and they tell you all sorts of things about the Bible and about you. You know the deal, right? Yeah, Sunday school, whatever. And so you learn this stuff, and there's one message that kept coming up all throughout the years when I was a kid. All throughout the years, I kept hearing this teaching of Jesus, hearing the same thing that Jesus taught over and over again. It's probably his most famous teaching, the most famous thing that he ever said, and I heard it so many times. And if when I was 16, 17, 18, if you would have said, hey, you've been going to church like your whole life, tell me something about Jesus. Tell me one of his teachings. There's one teaching in particular that would have bubbled to the surface. Now, what about you? If I asked you that question, hey, you're all church going, folks. If I asked you, tell me something that Jesus taught other people, what would be the one thing that pops into your mind? The one thing. Anybody want to take a risk? Who's going to take Sermon on the Mountain? Hey-o. Love. Love? Love one another. I tell you why. I mean, yeah, that was like it. Like the love one another. Love one another. Jesus articulated this idea in a number of different ways. He also said, do unto others, uh, treat other people the way you want them to treat you. Do unto, that's a little bit old-fashioned. Treat other people the way you want them to treat you, which is another way of kind of framing that if you're uncomfortable with the love word. But love one another, love your enemies, love your neighbor, love each other is what Jesus said to the body, to the believers, to Christians. Love one another. You got it, Jesus. That's the way to live. I mean, that's it. How do you, how do you have influence with the people in your life? You love them, Right? That's it. All you need is love. John Lennon knew that, right? He also said, I am the walrus, cuckoo, cuckoo, So he was a little off about some things. But like, all you need is love, right? Love one another. That's so important. Yes, yes. And listen, as a church, that's like one of our fundamental beliefs. We've got to love other people. We've got to love each other within the body. We've got to love people outside of the body. We've got to love. That's awesome. And it's effective. And it's difficult. <laughs> Now, listen, it's not always difficult. I mean, you know, you've been filling out these cards. You've got your list of people here. Some of the people on your list might be easy to love. You know, there's nice people who love you and who treat you well, and they're good, and they're asking if they can help out, and they're, you know, they're just nice people. They're easy people. You know, you've got some people. Do you not have anybody like that in your life, people that are easy to love? Oh, boy. You know, you should have a few of those. Oh, it's easy to love those people, but then there are the rest of the people on your list. A few others. And it's difficult to love, you know, for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they've done something that hurt you. Maybe it's because you just, you know, you're so different from each other. Or maybe it's because they just live a life that's so different from yours. And they have such different priorities. And they spend their time and they spend their money in such different ways from you that it's just, it's like, yikes. I know I've been commanded to love them, but I don't even want to, like, be a part of their lives. 
It's difficult. Especially when those of you, those of you in the room who are Christians, those of you who are trying to do this thing of following Jesus, following him more and more each day, those of you who are on this journey together, when you're following Jesus, when you're on that path trying to follow Jesus, and you've got somebody in your life, and, and this is probably like most of the people in your life, most people aren't. They just have a different set of priorities, in a different way they spend their time, different way they spend their money, and to love people outside of your little comfortable Christian bubble or whatever it is, it, it can be... It can be difficult. It can be challenging. Now, there's this expression um, you've probably heard. Love the sinner, hate the... Hey, you've heard it. Love the sinner, hate the sin. I don't know who first said that. I have have kind of mixed feelings about that statement. Um, You know, it's not a verse from Scripture. I think I understand this. the, The idea behind it is we're supposed to love the sinner, love the person, love people, but we're not supposed to love... The sin, right? Love the thing that's wrong. Love the, you know, love the person, but don't love the thing that's wrong. And so I, I, I appreciate that sentiment, but, but again, it's easy just to spout out cliches like that. Well, how do you do it? Oh, you love the sin or hate the sin. All right, close in prayer. Easy to say these cliches, but, but, but how? What does it look like to love people who are <laughs> living in sin? How do you do that? Let's talk about sin real quick. All right. I didn't advertise we were going to talk about sin today because then I think it'd show up. Let's talk about sin real quick, just so we know, just so we have an understanding of what we're talking about here. And that's something else that somebody tried to teach me about when I was a kid is sin. Somebody gave me a definition of sin when I was, I don't know, a teenager or something. They said this: sin is anything we say, do, or think that displeases God. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Maybe you heard a definition, something like that. Anything you say, think, or do that displeases God. I don't like that definition. I think it falls short of what sin really is, and I think it doesn't really fully articulate the whole spectrum. And, you know, I'm, not, I'm not trying to point the finger at anybody who came up with that saying. I mean, I understand the idea behind it, but I feel like that's not quite, sin is more than that. It's more complicated than that, all right? And so when we talk about sin here at Hope Community Church, and if you've been here for long enough, you've heard me say this, we talk about God being our Father and loving us and setting up boundaries for us because He loves us. And the only reason God has said, thou shalt not, is because he wants to keep us safe. The only reason he's given us commandments and laws and rules to live within is for our own benefit. Our Heavenly Father loves us. And so he sets up these boundaries for us, and crossing over those boundaries will be considered sin. I wish I had like a visual kind of way to show you. Like, hang on, let me see if I can talk among yourselves. Let me see if I can find something back here. Okay, here we go. This will work. You never know what you'll find backstage. This will work just fine. And so here we go. We're going to set these up as boundaries, okay? And so let's pretend... I thought I'd get a laugh for that. Let's pretend that this is... um, There we go. Uh, Let's pretend that these are God's boundaries for us. And so he set up this area for us to live within. And this... Yeah, it was planned. And this is not to... This is not to scale, so don't freak out here. But God has set up these boundaries for us to live within. Caution, caution, don't cross the line or you're going to get yourself into trouble. Don't cross the line or you might hurt yourself. And so when we step outside of that, that's sin, crossing that line, crossing that boundary. And so here we are, those of us who are followers of Jesus... We are trying to stay within that boundary. We're trying to learn what that boundary is. We're trying to better understand why God has us in this boundary. We're trying to appreciate God's laws. We're trying to do all this. But people who are not trying to follow Jesus, they don't care about trying to live inside of here, do they? They have no problem living outside of here. None at all, right? 
because they're not trying to stay within the boundary. They're not trying to follow Jesus. They're not trying to do that. So they live out here, and it can be very difficult for those of us who live in here to love people who are out there. How do we do that? Now, there are two things that we run up against as Christians, okay? The one issue we have is this. If I'm going to love somebody who lives out here, is it going to seem like I'm condoning their lifestyle? Is it going to seem like I'm condoning their sin? Is it going to seem like I'm condoning the thing they're doing that's foolish and detrimental? If I love that person, will they somehow get the message that I'm okay with the thing that's wrong? Because I don't want to condone that, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm okay with that because I know that God's not okay with it. And so we fall into that little bit of a trap. There's like, I don't, so I just, maybe I'm just going to keep my distance from people like that because I don't want, I don't want anybody to think I'm okay with how they're living. I don't want to be, get people to think that I'm okay with, with quote-unquote sin. And so that's the one trap we fall into. But honestly, that's not the bigger issue. The bigger issue is this. A lot of times, we Christians, and, and this is specific to our region, okay? A lot of times, we, we are fine loving the people who live out here. But we have this other issue. It's like, okay, I'm going to love the person outside of there, but I'm not even going to address the fact that they're out there. I'm not even going to deal with the fact that they're out there. I don't even want to talk about their sin. I'm just going to ignore the fact that they're doing something that's unwise or ungodly or foolish. I'm going to ignore the fact that they're living outside of God's boundaries because I don't want to come across as judgmental. I don't want to seem judgmental. So I'm just going to love on them and let them live their life, and that's between them and God. I don't want to seem judgmental. So on the one hand, it's like, well, I don't want to seem like I'm condoning their sin. And on the other hand, it's like, well, I don't want to seem like I'm being judgmental. And so both approaches are wrong. <laughs> it's wrong to back away from people and say, well, I'm not going to love that person because, you know, because they're living outside of there. That's wrong. I don't want to do that. And to be afraid to speak up is also wrong. This is sounding like a mess. Let me see if the, if the Word of God can help us out here a little bit. Uh, Bob read this scripture passage for us. Let's take a look at that. It's in your bulletin. Talk about some of the more popular things, famous things Jesus has said. If you spend enough time hanging out in, in a church-type setting, you've heard this before. And this is from the Sermon on the Mountain. This is part of the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chap uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7. Hey, if you've never read that before, it just takes a few minutes. Do yourself a little favor this afternoon. Have a nice little fall Sunday. Sit out in the back and yard and... Read the Sermon on the Mountain. It's really good, and it's all one thing. It's always dangerous to take one piece. Of it. it all flows together. I don't like taking a piece of it out, but we have to for time purposes. So this is part of the Sermon on the Mountain, this extended teaching time that Jesus was there. He was speaking to the people, and he says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so, so many of us Christians, so many people, we read this verse, we come up against that idea, and we say, well, I don't want to judge people outside of there. I don't want to be, I, Jesus said, don't judge. Let's keep reading, okay? Verse 3, while you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, and this is, again, Jesus just puts it so well. While you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank at your own eye, you're willing to look past your own sin areas, you're willing to look past your own things that you're doing outside the boundaries of God, but you're put, put, picking out something small that somebody else is doing. How can you say to your brother, Pay attention to this. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Hold on to that word. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This passage of Scripture 
when Jesus is speaking these words, I don't think he's really addressing the issue of people being judgmental. That's not what this is about at the heart of it. I think there are two other bigger issues that, that Jesus is talking about. And the first one is hypocrisy. He's talking about hypocrisy. He's talking to a group of people who are used to having these laws and these burdens piled up on their own shoulders, except the people who were giving them the laws weren't abiding by them. The religious establishment in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, the leaders, they were great at telling other people how to live, but they didn't so much worry about living it out themselves. And so Jesus is addressing that very issue. But the other issue he's talking about is what it means to actually help one another, how to help somebody out. Take a look, really, I'm telling you, please do this. Read that Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. In that sermon, Jesus says to the people, you are the light of the world. He says that to his followers. You're the ones, and he explains later on, you want people to see your good deeds, not to give you praise, but to give God praise. You want to lead people the way to God's way. You want to lead people into the boundaries of God's will. You are the light of the world. Don't hide that light. Does any of that sound familiar? There's little songs that we had as kids about that. Don't let your light hide under a basket. Shine in this world. Jesus talks about this thing. Hey, we talked about it last week. Being that example, being that light, drawing people, being that magnetic force that entices people. What is going on in their lives? Showing people a more excellent way to live. Be the light in the world. Help people who are living outside of those boundaries. Jesus does not say, hey, listen, don't judge other people because you got your own stuff going on. Just work on your own stuff and let them kind of figure out their own stuff. You work on you, let that person work on them, and that's all there is to it. It doesn't say that. It says, first, take care of yourself. First, get yourself in these boundaries. First, take that plank out of your own eye. Do that first. Don't stop there. Then, go help your brothers and sisters living outside of the boundaries. Then, you can be effective in helping to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Help them. Listen, we don't want to be judgmental, but we got to think about this differently. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of ways to think about judgment. You want to exercise good judgment, don't you? Parents, you want your children to exercise good judgment. You want them to know, okay, this is dangerous. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to exercise good judgment here. This is foolish. I'm going to exercise good judgment and not do that thing. This is wrong. This is sin. I've made that judgment. You, we want to have good judgment in life. But we're in no place to condemn people. That's important. That's, that's the, you know, when you talk about judge not, we can't condemn, we don't have the authority to condemn. It's not about that. But what we are called to do is help other people. Bring them, show them that this is a more excellent way. Show them the power of Jesus. Show them how the will of God, living out the will of God is beneficial. So we have this thing, and I, you know, I know we're talking about loving one another, importance of that, but I needed to show you this scripture passage so you just know there is a way to love people and correct them at the same time. In fact, that's real love. Loving somebody who lives out there, I mean, like, you know what? I know that they're living wrong, and I know that that lifestyle is, like, going to lead to their downfall, probably, but, hey, I don't want to get personal, and I don't want to talk about sensitive stuff. We talked about that a little bit last week, us Delconians. We don't like to talk about sensitive stuff. Let's keep it on the surface. I'm not going to deal with their sin issue. Ugh, that's not my job. That's not my responsibility. I'm just going to see if I can help them in any way and support them and show them I love them, and I'm not going to deal with any of that. That's not love. 
That's not love. Let me give you the silliest example in the world. I always give you this example. Hey, I'm a dad. I've got two kids, another on the way. Two kids. I love them so much, and that's why I give them boundaries to live with them. When I see my little girls go over and try to play with the outlets, which they don't do anymore, thankful, but try to go play with the electrical outlets, I don't say, well, you know what? It's not my place. You know, when I was a kid, I was curious too, and I made my share of mistakes, so I'm not going to try to correct them. I'm not going to do that because I love them, and I just want to support whatever they're doing. I don't do that. Because they die. <laughs> because I understand this is dangerous. I understand that. I know that's such a silly example, and you probably all agree with me there, but sometimes when it comes to these other, I don't know, issues that we consider gray, like morality or, or how you handle relationships or how you handle your love life, oh, I don't want to interfere with that. That's not my business. And, you know, I know you're on a dangerous path. I get that. I see that. But it's not my place to say anything. Hey, Listen. I get that it's awkward. I get that it's, it's, it's scary. It's uncomfortable. I understand that. But if we actually want to help people, we need to be willing to courageously love them, to love them enough to not support the sin. How about this phrase? Love the person, but don't support their sin habit, whatever that is. I'm going to try to get a little bit more practical with you here because this is not some issue I'm talking about in theory. Oh, let's just have a conversation. Let's have a message and move on with our lives. This is a real issue, and this is something that's come up numerous times in the Schaefer household, okay? Hi and I, we sit down because we've got our list of people. We sit down, and we've got plenty of people. Most of our people live out here, and there are a few in particular that are just, it's tough we come up against this issue. We don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to, like, you know, condone sin. But at the same time, we have this obligation to help show them a more excellent way, to help them see the error of their thinking. We have this obligation. And so we've set a standard. And really, I give, you know, Holly's sick today, so she's a no. But I give Holly credit for this way of thinking. So this is really her message this morning, okay? We talk about this. These are her ideas that we've come up with together. But, she, you know, give her credit for this. And so we've thought about it in this way, Okay? Here's the standard that we've set in the Schaefer household. We're not going to do anything. Here's how we're going to love people. We're going to love them, but we're not going to do anything to help give them a boost over those boundaries. You know what I'm saying by that? We're not going to do anything to help them cross this line. We're not going to be enablers. Let me tell you a specific story of how this has played out. I've told you this story before. I'm going to share some more details with you today. I have a friend years ago. He hit me up over email say, can you help me move? I'm like, oh, sure, that's fine. I didn't know we were that close. You know what I mean? You got to be kind of close before you ask somebody to help you move. I'm like, all right, I guess I've just entered that circle. Sure, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I find out he's moving in with his girlfriend. Okay. Listen, I get that. I know that people move in together and they're not married and they, you know, I, I get that that's a thing. I get that. I completely understand that and there are reasons for that and there are financial reasons and there are practical reasons. I get it. I live in the world, but I also know what the Word of God says. And I also understand the boundaries that God has created for us. And I also know that God has condemned this thing called fornication. Two people acting as husband and wife, sleeping together who aren't married. I know God has condemned that, and I know he has his reasons, and I know they're right. I know that. And I understand that when a couple lives together, they're taking that sin of fornication and broadcasting it to the world. Hey, look at what we're doing. So I know. I know that it's dangerous. I know that it's wrong to cross that line. I know that it's dangerous. I know that it's wrong. I also know outside of the Word of God, I also know statistically, and you can look these, these details up for yourself, I also know statistically that a couple that lives together, they're less likely to get married. And I also know that if they do get married, they're more likely to get divorced. So from all angles, I just know that that's not a wise thing. Forget about right or wrong. It's not a wise move. It might seem like financially or whatever it is. No, it's not wise. It's not a wise move. 
And so here I am in this situation. So some of those details I've told you before, let me tell you some new details, okay? So here I am in this situation, and I've got to figure out, what do I do here? Because Christians, we're supposed to help. What, am I afraid to pick up a couch and walk down? I mean, like, you know, this is like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to help you out, right? And so I had two kind of like, two or three little temptations there. <laughs> My one temptation was this. It was like, you know what? I'm just going to help. You know what I mean? I'm just going to love this guy. I'm just going to help, and that's all there is to it. And I'm not going to speak about it. I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to say anything either way. I'm not going to tell him I think it's a good idea. I'm not going to tell him I think it's a bad idea. I'm just going to help. It's like, oh, that just did not sit well in my spirit. Like, I can't do that. The other thing I thought, well, maybe I could like, come up with some kind of an excuse. You know what I mean? Maybe I could, you know, not lie, but maybe I could put something else in that morning. Like, oh, I can't do it. It's conflict. Uh, sorry. You know, like create a little event. Oh, I'm just too busy. I'm doing something else, right? You've never done that. <clears throat> or like just take the more subtle approach. I'm like, you know, he reached out to me over email. So that's great. All I can do is, uh, sorry, can't do it. Just leave it at that. Won't even tell him why. Huh? Yeah. None of those options sat well with me because I know what I really needed to do. If I'm going to love this person, I've got to do the tough thing. I actually have to have a conversation with this person. And so I did. Whew. It was tough. So we sat down, and we talked about, you know, we chit-chatted about some other things, and then I said, you know, I can't help you. I can't help you with this move. I can't help you with this move, and I tried to keep it short. I tried to keep it succinct. I didn't have a whole sermon planned, okay? I tried to keep it down to one little sentence. I said, you know what? Because I know you're moving in with your girlfriend, and it's just not God's way. That's all I said. That's all I said. And he said, I know. So that's another story there. <laughs> now, he was a guy who was trying to follow Jesus and figure that out and all that. And so listen, listen, I'm not condemning anybody who's made that choice. I completely understand that. I'm just saying that when you follow Jesus, you're trying to live a different way. And so I can't, see, if I would say, yes, I'm going to help you move, that's like me giving him a boost over the line. Oh, you're thinking about moving in over there? Let me give you a hand. Can't do that. That's something Holly and I have decided. We can't do that. Holly was up against the same kind of thing a few years after that point, friend of hers. She didn't actually get asked, hey, will you help me move in or anything like that, but she found out this was happening, and she just made a phone call. She said, I know you're trying to live this thing out. I think you're trying to be a Christian. This just isn't God's way. That's all she said. I give her kudos for that because she was very brave in doing that. But that's the kind of thing. It's like that's what real love is. I'm not going to help you cross that line, and I'm not going to help you feel comfortable if you're over there. That's the other thing. You know, all of us have a little bit of people-pleasing in us. We want to be liked. You know what I mean? We do. Even the toughest, gruffest, even Steve Jobs wanted to be liked by somebody, right? Probably. Uh, maybe, maybe he's the exception. But we want to be liked. We don't want to tell people things they don't want to hear. We don't want to make people feel bad. But here's the thing. <clears throat> if you're doing something bad, <laughs> shouldn't you be allowed to feel bad about it? <laughs> I, I, is that a dangerous thing to say? And so it's like, I don't, you know, we don't want to help people cross that line, and we don't want to do anything to help them settle down outside the boundaries of God. Does that make sense? Hey, I know you're living out there. Can I set you up? You want a glass of iced tea? You want to just settle in? We don't want to make people feel comfortable out there. No. And so we run the risk. Listen, I'm just telling you what Holly and I do. Maybe it's helpful to you. Maybe you think we're lunatics. I don't know. We run the risk of being perceived as judgmental. Because we want to really love other people. Not just be kind, not just, we want, we're trying to really 
love people enough to have these awkward conversations. It's difficult. And maybe, you know, maybe people do think we're being judgmental. But you know what? I know this about Jesus. To this day, people accuse Jesus of being all sorts of things that he wasn't. And all he did was live perfectly. Huh? No mistakes. No sin. Nothing wrong. Handled every conversation the right way. Every interaction the right way. And you know what people said about Jesus? You know what people said about the Son of God, the Savior who died on the cross for your sins? They said, he's possessed by the devil. So there's only so much you can do to control or manipulate people's perceptions of you, right? Yes, yeah, we want to be thought well of, but sometimes you have to run that risk. And I tell you what, those two examples I gave you, we've got lots more in our family, Holly and I, of these interactions we've had. And I don't know that anybody has ever thought of us as being judgmental, but we've run, we've run that risk. Some of the most powerful words you can speak are to be able to say to somebody, I love you but I can't support this. I love you, but I can't enable this. Because I love you, I can't support this decision. Those are powerful words because I tell you what, nine times that, forget it, 99 times out of 100, the people who are living out there, they already know it's wrong. They already know it. And for you to say, in the spirit of love and out of that gen, you're not trying to condemn. It's not. You love the person you say, I love you too much to enable you to live out here outside of God's boundaries. There's a quote, and I've, um, you know, I've pulled from, from this guy before. I have to share this quote with you. This is uh, Joseph Pieper. And he talks about love, and he uses a lot of fancy language that is just, I don't know, it's nice. He puts it, he puts it very well. But listen to this definition of love, okay? He says, love is not synonymous with undifferentiated approval of everything the beloved person thinks and does in real life. Nor is it the wish for the beloved to feel good always and in every situation for him to be spared experiencing pain or grief in all circumstances. Mere kindness, which tolerates anything except the beloved's suffering, has nothing to do with real love. No lover can look on easily when he sees the one he loves preferring convenience to the good. Well said, dude. So the idea is this. That's, if you don't want to get into it with somebody, I understand that. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. But real love is willing to go there. When you really love somebody, you're willing to go there. And this is so important for you as an individual to hold on to this idea. And I'm going to tell you why. You've got people on your card. You've got names written down on your card. You've got people in your life who are making these decisions that will lead to their ruin. And I'll tell you this right now. There are crowds of other people surrounding your loved ones saying, go for it, go for it. Don't worry about it. Make that bad decision. Don't worry about sin. Don't worry about God's way. Whenever somebody wants to make a bad decision, whenever anybody wants to step over this boundary, there's going to be a host of people cheering them on, supporting the idea. Go on, do it. Go on, do it. You might be the only one, the only voice in that person's life to say, I can't support this. You might be the only one to have the courage to help nurture them back over to this side of the boundaries. You see that? That's why it's so important for us. We can't just go around and say, love one another. Okay, let's know what this means. Let's grasp the reality of how difficult it is to truly and courageously love other people. Let's be willing to do that. And so we as a church, we have this goal. 
We want to share the gospel. We want to have everybody in our territory experience this gospel message. And you as individuals, you have people that you're focused on. You have people that you're influencing. And we're going to do this. And we're going to share this gospel message. And you're going to do it by living out the Christian faith. You're going to show them what love looks like. You're going to show them what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we collectively, we're going to have the courage to love people the way they need to be loved. Maybe not the way they want to be loved, but the way that they need to be loved. And that is how we are going to transform our community. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you for the example you've set for us. You've shown us what real love looks like. On the cross, you showed us that love is a sacrifice. Father God, you've called us to do this thing that is... um, it's overwhelming. You've called us to love other people. And, and, and frankly, God, this is just an impossible task. We can't do this on our own. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to please be among us, be within us. Give us the strength that we need to love people the way that they need to be loved. Give us the courage to love people the way that you want us to love people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.